0: Welcome to GenCast, a sponsored podcast series brought to you by Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News. I'm your host, Jeff Bukaliskis. Because gene therapy is such a hot topic these days, it's easy to assume that the idea is a relatively new one. Yet, many of the initial concepts surrounding gene therapy arose almost 60 years ago. A few years later, in the early 70s, gene therapy pioneer Theodore Friedman, co-authored a paper in Science discussing the uses and benefits of gene therapy to treat a host of genetic diseases. Concomitantly, however, in the same report, Friedman and co-author Richard Roblin urged extreme caution and even opposed gene therapy attempts on human patients until our understanding of genetic recombination was adequate. In the years that followed, gene therapy endeavors were met with some resounding successes and unfortunately some catastrophic failures setting the field back for a number of years. But as any good scientist knows, failures are part of future triumphs, and perseverance has paid off. In the past several years, the number of potential gene therapies has exploded, with several being approved for use by regulatory agencies. Still, success isn't without its challenges, as companies are now trying to navigate the swift-moving waters of gene therapy manufacturing. To meet the rising demands and expedited project endpoints, companies are continually looking for ways to maintain the balance of increased production with high quality and safety. Recently, I sat down with two gene therapy industry experts from Merck to discuss some of the challenges that currently face many binding manufacturers and what they see as potential ways to navigate increased therapy demands. Let's jump into the conversation. Thanks for joining us for this GenCast today. This is a pretty exciting episode we have talking about some cell and gene therapy. And uh, let's get to it. But first, let's meet our guests for today's podcast.
1: Gentlemen, if you could introduce yourselves to the Gen audience. Hi, Jeff. My name is Ratish Krishnan. I am an Associate Director for Cell and Gene Therapy processing Segment at Millipore Sigma. My group primarily provides technical bioprocess consultation in the Americas region for viral vector manufacturing companies in their process development, technology transfer, and manufacturing journey towards commercialization of gene therapies.
2: And hi, my name is Dave Bohanek. I'm the Cell and Gene Therapy. A market segment manager at Millipore Sigma. So I'm focused on our strategy development within our bioprocessing business.
0: All right, gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. really appreciate it. Uh, let's get to the first question and uh, talk about some cell and gene therapy things that are going on. So um, can you tell us a little bit more about the gene therapy industry itself and some of the common trends and challenges which other companies are dealing with?
1: Hey, Jeff. uh, I get really excited talking about gene therapies after having contributed to the field as a process development scientist until recently. Uh, Before getting into gene therapy, let's zoom out and talk about rare diseases. By definition, rare diseases affect a very small number of population, less than about 200,000 people here in the United States. There is another category called ultra-rare diseases, which affect fewer people, fewer than 20 people in a million. So we're talking about very small numbers here and entering the bespoke era for regenerative medicines. But collectively speaking, they happen to be pretty common. There are about 7,000 of such known rare diseases, and only 5% of them have approved treatments. Uh, The unfortunate category of population which gets affected most are children, particularly those below age of 5, Uh, Treatments for such conditions were a hype in the past, but there is real hope now with the prospect of using viral vectors as a novel approach to treat these conditions. Over the last five to 10 years, there has been a tremendous spike in clinical trials with these gene delivery vehicles. About 1,100 of them are ongoing currently. Dave and I, along with our teams and as an organization overall, are passionate in helping companies who are working hard literally to deliver on a promise by bringing these therapies to market. Our team works with viral vector manufacturers using adeno-associated viruses, or AAV as they are called, and lentiviruses anything novel comes with a set of complexities and challenges we meet with customers every day and help solve them
2: yeah ritesh i mean you definitely know notice a lot of you know trends across the industry right and the there, i think the the challenges that we see that these manufacturers are facing in in some ways are are really kind of a natural growing pains of of any industry where you know, from, from the perspective of commercial manufacturing, it really hasn't been done before, right? So you, you know, when you think of a uh, comparison to other therapeutic modalities, things like um, vaccines or monoclonal antibodies that have been around a lot longer, you know, in that case, they, they, those processes have really been, you know, developed, I think, to the point where there are, you know, established templates and ways of doing things. And a lot of the, the tools and technologies that go into those templates have been um, developed and, and specifically for those types of processes. And I think what we see with, with gene therapy manufacturers is that they don't really have those templates, right? They're kind of starting from scratch and, and that's a big challenge, right? It's, it's not easy. And the, the other kind of half of that is that they don't necessarily have the right tools, right? They're, they're trying to these companies are trying to adapt tools that were designed, perhaps, for for monoclonal antibody or vaccine manufacturing processes, and not necessarily, you know, purpose-built for the type of viral vectors that we're talking about. So I think it's it's definitely the right approach that they're using, right? I mean, you can only use the tools that are available to you and the, the technologies, and I, I think we'll definitely continue to see more and more. Technologies that are built specifically for these types of processes uh, continue coming out in the future, but um, it certainly takes uh, you know a a different type of approach than than you might see for something that's a little more mature in in terms of of the industry. I think the other another another trend that we see that that kind of represents a pretty big challenge for these manufacturers is that a lot of times the the timelines that they're trying to 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 keep to are are, you know, greatly reduced, you know, and in many cases, these, these diseases that, uh, that Ritesh mentioned, these, these rare or ultra rare diseases, in many cases, they, they may, might have, you know, really no good existing therapy therapies available for them. And so for that reason, the regulatory agencies are, are, you know, willing to, to, you know, enable expedited pathways for for the approval of these uh, these therapies, and so those those expedited regulatory pathways, you know, are, are great, right? In terms of getting the treatments to the patients as quickly as possible, I think from a you know a process uh, development kind of standpoint, that that means you have about half the time that you might in in other circumstances. I think you know one more challenge that we we tend to see that these companies are facing is just the the industry as a whole hasn't necessarily caught up from a manufacturing capacity standpoint. right? I think it makes a lot of sense for many of these companies to use uh, or to contract out their manufacturing to CMOs. And that's not always possible because these CMOs uh, and, and the industry as a whole might not necessarily have the manufacturing capacity to to meet the current demand. And so, I think that's another kind of example of these um, growing pains that I I think will continue to improve in in the coming years, but are very real challenges today.
1: You're bang on the spot there, Dave, and the list of pain points is actually pretty long, right? Uh, There are analytical challenges, uh, and you mentioned evolving regulatory guidelines in this novel space. The other challenge we hear pretty often is uh, empty full capsid separation. For companies at different stages because it impacts their process development impacts their clinical development timelines uh, process recovery percentages are, are historically low and so on and so forth right the list is actually pretty long uh, let me pivot here really quick and think of a challenge from a different angle the solution to just about all these challenges which you know Dave you alluded to requires a talented workforce uh, that's the actual elephant in the room which we need to discuss The problem is that it's another area where industry is struggling to keep up with the growth. Most of the scientists with gene therapy experience in research labs don't necessarily have the background or experience for large scale CGMP manufacturing. And most of the engineers and scientists who do have that background have been working with other modalities such as monoclonal antibodies and vaccines and really don't have much experience when it comes to gene therapies. It can be a pretty competitive market for skilled employees, which in turn kind of intensifies the problem with respect to employee turnover. Hiring talented individuals, as we all know, is a major concern for management. And those with viral vector experience are in high demand in the industry. This is uh, compounded by the fact that uh, companies are sprouting up at an unprecedented pace, resulting in a high degree of turnover of these skilled workers, thereby leaving a talent gap whenever they leave the company. So that's a really interesting
0: point, Ratish, and I think it's something of interest to the gen audience is there's a lot of our audience members who are involved in uh, the gene therapy space as well as just interested in the gene therapy space. So then the question I have is, you know, how are companies getting their workforce up to speed?
2: Yeah, Jeff, it's definitely not easy for them uh, really to to kind of get these new employees up to speed, right? I think there's you know, a lot of the employees that that are, are being hired might not necessarily have that right combination of experience with gene therapy in general as well as as you know familiarity with scale up and you know regulatory and, and kind of good manufacturing practices and things like that that are are needed to to kind of uh, you know develop and design these processes and implement them you know at that that kind of commercial manufacturing scale so or even even clinical scale for that that part. So, I mean, you definitely see you know every company, and and I think it's a given, every company going ahead and and training them their employees themselves, kind of doing on the job training. Um, and and I think while that's you know absolutely necessary, I, I think one of the gaps is that that for the a lot of the newer and younger companies, they might not necessarily have established ways of doing things because they haven't done it before, and they might not have a template for their process, for example, to to follow and and to show show new people like this is how we do things. And as you look across the industry, there aren't necessarily a ton of publications and examples from other companies to show um, how these processes typically work. And so there's there's I think a a gap of of knowledge that that kind of goes even more you know deeper or a little more fundamental than than you know getting getting employees up to speed on how each company does things and i think that's where you will see more and more involvement with from other groups right more and more involvement from colleges and universities more and more involvement from industry associations and institutions like that uh, and more and more involvement from the the technology vendors also for the colleges and universities i think what i've seen at least is is a, a number of programs that are focused know, more on operator training, which I think is, is you know, more about, you know, how to follow the procedures, how the equipment works, and things like that that might not really get into the, the kind of process development fundamentals in science. So I think that's, um, you know, kind of one way that, that these, these groups are, you know, supporting things, but, but I, I definitely see... Some, some kind of gaps in, in the infrastructure in that way.
1: You're correct, Dave. There definitely isn't a complete training infrastructure for gene therapy process development teams in place yet. You see this problem come up again and again in different industry reports on skill gap and hiring pain points in the biopharma industry, particularly in process development space for such novel modalities. Let's pause and look at the crystal ball here, if you will. In gene therapy, unfortunately, there is no silver medal in the race to market. Uh, rush to process development is a norm, and there's no time to slow down. Second place is essentially the first loser. Uh, people know, are no doubt a company's biggest asset. We all know that. Protecting their scientific passions and retaining top talent is extremely critical for a company, especially in this rush to commercialization. The reason is that they're the ones who design, develop, and execute these processes, which eventually turn into a product. So the management priority, so to speak, is to ensure uh, skills of their technical teams are relevant and up-to-date. A smart approach is to get ahead of the game, being proactive and ensuring a company is able to empower and sharpen their employees with the scientific skills happens to be crucial in bringing life-saving treatments to the patients who are depending on them. Our customers think of us more as partners in solving complex problems and draw on our experience. If you look at the landscape of Life Science vendors, uh, like you mentioned, Dave, very few like us can offer a comprehensive portfolio of products, services, resources, and training as integrated services. So in my opinion, one of the best ways to accelerate programs in advancing gene therapy from bench to clinic is by leveraging the education and expertise.
0: So that's a lot of food for thought, guys, and it's a pretty interesting sort of aspect. So I guess my follow-up question to that would be is, you know, how do you see this training infrastructure that you mentioned evolving in the future?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think returning back to Ratish's crystal ball, (laughs) right, I, I think there's uh, of course, I, I think some of it's it's a given that as as the industry matures, as companies um, have more experience with you know kind of getting these um, therapies manufactured and at clinical scales, and you know the industry as a whole increases experience, I, I think it's a given that you know what's happening in house with with these companies will, will continue to develop more and more, right? I, th- I think the other part of it that that Ritish mentioned is is you'll even see, I, I think, more um, development and more kind of sophisticated offerings coming from, from the other institutions and from the technology vendors, right? I think you'll see more and more programs from them that really rely on the fact that, you know, at least when you think about the... The companies that that develop the manufacturing, you know, equipment and consumables and things like that, they have a very deep technical expertise, right, in those underlying technologies and the science behind them. And I think that's something that they, you know, historically have been, you know, um, very uh, willing to share. And, and I think, specifically in the context of gene therapy, I think we'll see more and more of that. I think that they also. You know, these, these vendors have a, a different perspective in a sense that they're able to see and, and aggregate information and practices and trends across, from, you know, across the entire industry in, in a way that might be a little more difficult for, for the individual gene therapy manufacturers to do. So, you know, those types of programs, I think, can make sense in a lot of ways for, for different companies that are, are looking to get their, their workforce up to speed as, as some of the kind of the first steps. Right in, in terms of getting their employees you know, familiarized with, with the, the gene therapy landscape and, and the um, types of processes that are that are needed for the manufacturing, right I think it's a very let' say efficient way to do things right to, to, to not have your, all your, your scientists and engineers focused on developing. You know, more formalized uh, training programs if there are options like this from from these outside groups that um, really can provide a, a, a valuable, valuable perspective.
1: One example of what Dave is alluding to uh, is a program that we are launching this year called Gene Therapy University. It's a comprehensive course designed for the technical and management teams responsible for process and analytical development in gene therapy, particularly for processes to manufacture viral vectors like AAV and lentivirus. It's made up of different sessions, some of which provide a broad overview of the industry uh, and or or focus on the underlying science, but many dive much deeper into the individual unit operations and how they are designed for viral vector production and purification. Uh, Keeping up with the end-to-end integrated theme, there are topics on assay development, technology transfer, and single-use facility considerations as well in the program. Uh, With the given current travel restrictions and other social distancing measures due to the pandemic, it will initially be available as a series of modules online. Uh, I've taken a few of them myself recently, and it's a great way for companies to invest in their people. Uh, It just seems to work really well with our busy schedules these days. Uh, But ultimately, the idea is that The course would be available where you can attend in person for one or two days and interact with our experts, I think, which is very valuable. We are also hoping that this serves as a tool to sharpen the skills of an organization, collectively speaking, leading to an empowered uh, colleague workforce at the bench level, all the way up the chain to management through Gene Therapy University. So stay tuned for more information from us.
0: All right. So Gene Therapy University is definitely something I'm going to be keeping my eye out for. So uh, hopefully the Gen audience will as well. Everyone keep an eye out for Gene Therapy U coming up. Ratish, Dave, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for sharing this information uh, with us. Uh, I think it's going to be pretty valuable to a lot of our audience members. So we really appreciate it. Um, So thanks again. And hopefully we'll see you at another Gen cast in the near future. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to GenCast. For Genetic Engineering and Biotechnology News, I'm Jeff Pogoliskus.